This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Dr. Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International, as well as Eagles Saving Nations. I'm in our college classroom here at World Ministries International, our chapel, where we do a live service every week for the staff of WMI and their families. So it is a live audience. We do have children. I'm going to talk on altars today. Many people don't understand uh, the importance of altars. I did seven weeks of messages on demons. Number one was demons. Two, demons are organized. Three, the etiology of demons in people. Four, can... Christians have demons, five mediums, charms, fortune-telling, etc. Six, Le the Leviathan and marine spirits, and seven marine spirits in the movie Avatar, Hinduism. So, you can look at our website, worldministries.org, worldministries.org, and if you haven't done it, please look at or listen, radio and television, seven days a week, look or listen to these programs, very important. Because I believe America is especially ignorant of demons. They don't know, understand altars. They don't understand sacrifice any longer. Uh, I've never seen the ignorance I'm seeing in America today, just totally naive. They're being attacked to and fro, they're being beat up and they don't even know where it's coming from. They don't know when they open the doors and, and all of a sudden, by their own fault and guilt, spirits are attacking them. So they don't recognize it. If you don't recognize your enemy, how do you defeat your enemy? If you don't know your enemy, how do you keep your enemy from breaching the walls? And that's our problem in America today. We have become so naive, so ignorant, so backslidden, actually, that many nations around the world understand these entities way better than we do. You know, Romans 9, 1 through 12, I'm not going to read that today. We're not going to study it today, but I do want to make a point that talks about the plague of demons coming out of the abyss, bottomless pit, to torment man for five months. Romans 9, 13 through 21, plagues of demons out of the abyss to slay one-third of mankind. As we get closer and closer to the return of Jesus Christ, demonic activity is going to become more and more intense. And so we've got to become aware of these things if we want to keep ourselves protected from unnecessary attack. I say unnecessary because it's not, we're going to be attacked, but unnecessary. Do we open doors to demonic activity? Well, I believe most Christians do. I believe most Christians, I could go into most churches and cast out demons out of many Christians. They don't understand it. They don't understand maybe their disease came from their activities, from their emotions, from what they ate, 
Yes, if we could apply the word of God, but many cannot apply it. They cannot live by it. They understand it. They can speak it, but they cannot walk in that type of reality. We're supposed to walk in Pentecost, walk in revival, but we don't. Now, some do. If you do, praise the Lord. But I'm talking about generally speaking. America is a mess. The church is a reflection of the nation. The nation's a mess. The church is a mess. Altars. All throughout recorded history, our altars have been erected and used by what one would consider pagans, Christians, Jews, and other religions. Altars can be good, but they can also be bad, depending on what they're used for. Many human sacrifices have been conducted on altars to appease their so-called gods. Even today, sacrifices like abortion is executed to appease a person's lust as they have given themselves over to God slash evil spirits, as they have elevated themselves to a God to do what is right in their own eyes. You know, the Bible is very clear. God resists the proud. How do you become a God even in your own eyes, even if you don't recognize it, just have too much pride. Where nobody can talk to you. You know it all. The danger is you're deceived. Again, these type of deceived individuals sacrifice their own children through neglect and even murder, abortion, to go on pleasing their own immoral appetites. Appetites. I don't have the article with me. I did see it yesterday. Dr. Brockhart brought it to my attention how this Presbyterian woman, pastor, God forbid, not because she's a woman, but because of her ignorance. She was glorifying. She's had two abortions and she sees nothing wrong with it. The source of the article I'm going to read and others, I'm, I'm using the Bible. I'm also using gotquestions.org. I had Pastor Tobias write an article on it. So, We'll see how far I get along on this subject, altars. Very important. An altar is any structure upon which offerings, such as sacrifices, are made for religious purposes. It was usually raised platform with flat surface. There are over 400 references to altars in the Bible. The word altar is first used in Genesis 8.20, when Noah built an altar to the Lord after leaving the ark. However, the idea was present as early as Genesis 4, 3 through 4, when Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices to the Lord. They most likely presented their offerings on some type of altar, even though the word altar is not used in that passage. You know, the word toilet is not used in the Bible either, but obviously it was there. A latrine, a hole in the ground, something. So you don't have to just sometimes find the exact word to know it's there anyway. It's obvious. It's intuitive. An altar always represented a place of consecration. Before God gave his law to Moses, men made altars wherever they were out of whatever material was available. An altar was often built to commemorate an encounter with God that had a profound impact upon someone. Abram, Genesis 12, 7. Isaac, Genesis 26, 24 through 25. Jacob, Genesis 35, 3. David, 1 Chronicles 21, 26. Gideon, Judges 6, 4. They all built altars and worshiped after having a unique encounter with God. 
An altar usually represented a person's desire to consecrate himself fully to the Lord. God had worked in a person's life in such a way that the person desired to create something tangible to memorialize it, to remember it. During times of Israel's rebellion and idolatry, the Lord's altars fell in disrepair. They fell apart. The prophet Elijah confronted the prophets of Baal and Mark Carmel, quote, repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down, unquote, 1 Kings 18.30. Elijah's restoration of the altar was significant, given the rampant paganism of the day. Also, in spite of the fact that he was living in a divided kingdom, the prophet symbolized the unity of God's people in his construction. You know, altars are torn down all through America. All through America, churches have shut down. Or, inside the church is pure paganism. Distortion of the word of God. Eulogizing abortion. Promoting homosexuality. Altars are polluted. Also, in spite of the fact that he was living in a divided kingdom, we're talking about Elijah, the prophet symbolized the unity of God's people in his construction. We are a divided people. The church is a mess. It's divided. The nation is divided because the church is dysfunctional. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. 1 Kings 18, 31-32. It was on this altar, rebuilt altar, that God rained down fire and put Baal worshippers to shame, verses 38 and through 39. We, if we can have a great awakening and we rebuild the altars throughout America, the churches, on rebuilt altars, meaning a revival, there can be, again, mighty miracles and unity throughout this nation. But we have to rebuild the altars. Sometimes God himself commanded that an altar be built after he had delivered someone in a miraculous way, Deuteronomy 27, 4-7, as well as Exodus 30, verse 1. I think testimonies are very, very important to give God the glory. If something really happened to you in a positive way, we should be giving God the glory. Again, God in the past sometimes demanded it, commanded it, altars be built. We have the freedom, but do we give God the glory when we should? Such an altar would be a memorial to help future generations remember the mighty works of the Lord. Because atonement is God's work, the law specified that an altar made of stones must be made with natural, uncut stones. For you will defile it if you use a tool on it. Exodus 20.25 20, Do we defile the altar of God, the church of God. I believe we do a lot in America by abortion. Some promote homosexuality, some promote having times when you can come and get a free tattoo when actually the Bible condemns it. Sin is sin all the way through the Bible. Grace has not changed that. Do you know what grace is? Because grace is all through the Old Testament or David would have been executed. All through the Old Testament, there's grace. It was established in the Old Testament. Cities of refuge, on and on and on. All grace is. It's time given when the Spirit's in the body to judge yourself so God doesn't judge you now, right now, when you sin. That's all it is. 
Grace is just a matter that God did away with the law of sin and death. In other words, He is there to forgive, and you don't have to be eternally separated, eternally damned. That's grace. But sin remains all through the Bible, Old or New Testament. God doesn't nullify it. I'm going to be speaking on tattoos next week. Even what God says and what the heathen do, and how God says, don't touch your body like the heathen. Even it goes into contamination of the blood with some of these tattoos. But we don't care. We know it all. We're our own little God. When God gave instructions for the tabernacle, he gave detailed instructions for the kind of an altar the courtyard should contain, Exodus 27, 1 through 8. On this altar, the people made sacrifices that God accepted as atonement for their sin. Is your sacrifice, your life accepted? Are your prayers answered? Or nothing happens when you pray? Maybe it's a good time to examine the altar. Is it polluted? It was to have four horn-like projections, one on each corner. It had to be large enough to hold sacrifices of bulls, sheep, and goats. For the temple that Solomon built, the altar was made of pure gold, 1 Kings 7, 48. Again, our altars, our lives. Do we attend a church that believes in the full gospel? Are you wasting your time attending and praying there? Because instead of a blessing, a curse and judgment falls. Do we have an altar that we can have a miracle or no altar because it's polluted? And you can bind and loose until you go to your grave and nothing will happen. In the broadest sense, an altar is merely a designated place where a person consecrates himself to something or somebody. Many church altars, buildings, have altars for prayer, communion, weddings, and other sacred purposes. Some Christians create their own altars for personal worship as visible reminders of Romans 12.1, which says to present yourself as a living sacrifice. Every human heart has an invisible altar where the war between the flesh and the spirit rages. When we surrender our ideas, our areas of our lives to the control of the Holy Spirit, when is the key word, when we surrender, we are in effect laying that area on the altar before God. Do we literally lay it on the altar? It's a difference between literally laying it, forsaking it, changing, and talking. We can symbolically lay that on the altar and let go. We don't need a flat top surface. We can surrender our lives to God on the altar of our hearts at any time. Again, the article, gotquestions.org, talks about altars, what I just read. Pastor Tobias, Genesis 8, 15 through 22, Noah built an altar, taking some of the clean birds and clean animals. Why use clean birds? Why did he use only clean birds and animals? Because some animals are considered unclean. Leviticus 11 speaks about such animals and birds as pigs, vultures. Again, I'm elaborating, I'm establishing, explaining what I'm reading. What about our altars? Is it clean? Or do we have the unclean? And then we want God to hear us. We've talked before. I had Dr. Buckhart in one of my programs. He kept using if, 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 meaning, hey, the word of God is true if, if, if you do these things. 
We don't like if, if, if. So we cherry pick. Oh, God will do it. He, he won't do anything unless you, if you have an unclean altar. You are wasting your breath. These are things we must learn. If you had a godly pastor properly teaching you, do we have clean altars? Are we using, according to Genesis, clean birds and clean animals? Not the unclean. Are we mixing with vultures and pigs, crabs, lobsters? Animals considered unclean. Why? Because of the toxins inside of them. As a Christian, you won't go to hell for eating them. You might go to heaven faster. Because they're not, Jesus, when he ascended, did not sanctify these things. And doctors will tell you, stay away from them, especially if you have some diseases. There's toxins that come out of them. Toxins kill you if you get enough of them. But again, Christians who become their own little gods, they don't care. I can just pray and God will bless. No, he won't bless. He's already cursed it. How can you bless what God has cursed? Unless you're so deceived in your own little eyes. I'm a little God. I can do what I want. The Bible works if you read it in context, not cherry pick. Genesis 8.20, Noah built an altar, took every clean beast and every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Verse 21, and the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. So we see in the text that Noah built an altar. I don't believe it was the first altar. I think he's Adam and Eve passed it on. We pass the truth on. Truth that was established in the Old Testament is not regurgitated in the New Testament. You're supposed to already know it. Just like if you know one plus one is two, you don't take basic arithmetic over when you're in algebra. It's established. You're supposed to already understand that. But people don't understand sin is sin all through the Bible. Grace is grace all through the Bible. Again, what does altar mean? A sacred place for sacrifice and gifts offered up to God. The word altar comes from the Latin, meaning high, and also the Latin, which means to ritually burn or sacrifice, which, which suggests its early purpose as detailed in the Bible. Do we continually, daily offer sacrifice to the Lord? Now, we did it today by worshiping if our altars were pure. Okay, I'm just going to break it down, unravel the scriptures. If we were pure, God was pleased. If our altars was not pure, we raised holy hands, yet we're in deliberate rebellion or sin or stubbornness. God did not receive from that impure altar. You know, it's pretty elementary. He said, but grace, yeah, grace is there, so he didn't smite you dead. Grace is there, so you have time to repent and get your altar pure. That's what grace is all about. The law of sin and death. So as long as you accept Christ, you're not eternally damned. But then make sure your altar is clean or your prayers mean nothing. See, I'm just telling you very basic spiritual arithmetic. But yet the basics in America are totally thrown out the door. We don't understand them. So why the altar and sacrifices? It's important to note that altars are also built by the ungodly as protection of some kind to keep and protect their affairs, wealth, or family, children. It's very common practice in the Asian communities and the African communities. They understand this way more than Americans do. Why did Noah build the altar? 
for the restoration of the ground. When we repent, we need to rebuild our altars. Literally put on the mind of Christ, not talk about it. Literally transform the word of God into our mind, not talk about it. Literally adapt the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, self-control, repentance, forgiveness, not talk about it. This is rebuilding the altars so your prayers are answered. God had cursed the ground. It became unproductive. Genesis 4, 9 through 13. So Noah had to invoke God's blessing to, by building the altar to reverse the curse as we read in Genesis 4, 12. It was for the preservation of the creatures, Genesis 4.12. The question we may ask ourselves is, why didn't God talk before Noah built an altar and make sacrifice? He told Noah to get out of the ark, and Noah got out. But God did not give him further instructions on what to do. You know, we need to follow God one step at a time. Why should God go ahead of you when you can't even take the first step? Many times as I take the first step, even when I touch my foot on the country God told me to do, boom, he gives me revelation. I touch it in the Cayman Islands. Touched my foot. God said, go, touch my foot on the ground. And God gave me a word for the president. And two days later, I was in his home giving the word. I had to have obedience and take the first step. Noah received by revelation things from God, but he had to take the first step. He had to get in the ark. He had to build the ark. He had to get out of the ark. And God continued to lead him. Moses, the same way, all the way through the wilderness. First, he had to go back and confront Pharaoh. We need to take the first step. There's a time to plant, a time to harvest, a time to lay up goods for coming lean months when nothing will grow. Seasons help us to depend on God for our livelihood. Shannon Davis, good friend of mine, lives in Bali, Indonesia, omegamanradio.com. He's been in Indonesia. He gave a testimony. He, and he, you know, he said how Indonesia and where he's living in Bali is heavenly uh, conducted and, and everywhere you look, there's altars. It's contracted demons everywhere. Reportedly 35,000 temples, altars, and shrines. You can quickly determine whether your neighbor is Muslim, Christian, Hindu, etc. by if you know what the altar means. He wanted to rent a house, but everywhere had altars. Every place he looked, there was a Hindu landlord. And the Hindus, the Balinese here, they have two altars to their gods in their front yards. If you're wealthy enough, you have a whole temple in your backyard. And then there's a temple in the neighborhood. He... he they said, hey, to the person, if you're willing to take down these altars, we'll rent it. And the lady said, if you're willing to do it for two years, since I haven't worshipped there and I didn't build it, if you're willing to rent it, I'll remove it. They said, yes. Now, every front yard Hindus, there's two large, let's say six-foot altars, and these have a throne at the top and these steps that go right to the throne. The throne is where the demon sits. And to protect it from the sunlight, you'll usually see an umbrella giving the demon shade in the sunlight. Again, she said, I bought the house for an investment. I never sacrificed there. I could not remove them if I did. But since the previous landlord did not remove them, when he moved, as they normally do, they relocate their altars that they built, then I'd be willing to remove them if you rent the place for two years, as I mentioned, and he agreed. The landlord sent out a crew to dismantle the altars. A shaman came out 
with two ladies. They were all dressed in white. At night time, they set up a big floodlight. It attracted really the whole neighborhood to see what was going on. This guy recorded it on camera. The shaman came out to do a ceremonial removing of the altar. They have to pray. Then they took the big sledgehammer and they broke the stone one at a time. What the video shows is a man went into a trance. The demons that lived in the altar in our yard came out and possessed him. Said, we will go, but send us to the waters. That's what the demons told the man. So these were marine spirits that went back to the altars and they went back to the waters as they proceeded to destroy the altar and remove the debris into the water. They took the rubble, took it to the ocean. These were literally spirits that lived in the altars that were worshipped and they wanted now to go back to the water. Marine spirits. I can go out of my house and look every day at one of the neighbors or more and see what kind of altar they have. They sacrifice every day, bringing food, etc., to the altar for their God to appease them. Ladies and gentlemen, demons are real. What kind of altars do you have in your life? Are they pure? Are they not? You can have a pure altar. You can repent right now and say, God, forgive me of my stubbornness or whatever else sin that opens up demonic activity in our diseases. God bless you. Now here is my friend, Scott Farah, and he's going to help you with your business. Scott? Jesus teaches us that we should never do anything without making a plan first. Most small business owners fail to follow this biblical principle and do not have a written plan for where they want to be in one year, three years, five years. Yet every large business has a written plan. Many who wish to start their own businesses do not develop a plan first. This is one of the major reasons that 80% of all small businesses fail within the first five years. God worked through me to develop a unique educational program for business people. Quite frankly, this program has changed people's lives. If you currently own a business or if you're thinking about going into business for yourself, you need the Independence Program. Visit our website, independenceprogram.training, and if you choose to purchase this unique educational program, make sure that you use promo code WMI. It will give you a 5% discount. So if what you have just heard resonates with you, and if you care and you want to be an unsung hero, I implore you, please take a few seconds to call us today and leave a message with a short prayer for us because we need to know that you are with us and care enough to be part of the spark with us so that together we can move God to send a great awakening that can reverse the inevitability of God's coming judgment according to what God spoke in Jeremiah 18, 7, and 8. We believe that if you joined hands with us, together we can save America from certain catastrophic judgment. So call now, okay? Dial 360-629-5248 and say a short prayer for us in your message and leave your phone number too, okay? So one more time, 360-629-5248. Thank you and God bless.